Hello, welcome to the Talking Rating Podcast. I'm John Vogel, TW's Art Director. This is where members of our team interview artists of all mediums about their personal and creative lives and the intersections between the two. For today's episode, I interviewed Jamie Robinson, who was part of the avant-garde music collective Need New Body in the early 2000s and played keyboards for Man Man during their Life Fantastic and On Oni Pond records. He also has a solo project, Buffalo Stance, whose album Sugar Glider was a product of Robinson's becoming a 2007 Pew Fellow. All of the music in this episode, aside from the trumpet chord, comes from that 2009 album. I met Jamie around 2011 while I was playing in Philadelphia's orchestral pop band Grandchildren, and we opened a lot of shows for Man Man. I subsequently interviewed him and the other members of the band for my project Weird Music. This interview is part of a new project I call Perfect Recognition, which focuses on intense aesthetic experiences and the role of art personally and socially. In each interview, I ask participants to describe a strong experience with art and pose other questions about their personal relationship with art and its place in society. I talked to Jamie in his home in Philadelphia in December 2021, when venues for playing live music had opened up again, but COVID rates and comfort levels were still in flux. Local and national bands booked shows, and some happened, but others didn't when rates increased. Many bands canceled everything they had booked, and for musicians and fans, the idea of playing or attending shows felt tenuous. How do you uh, view the role of criticism in the production of art? You know what? I've actually never read any criticism on music. I've never, never read it. Uh, I mean, I actually... I've read books, so, I mean, I guess that's some manner of criticism. Uh, in terms of, like, I can a- associate more with criticism in movies, which I'll never read before I see a movie. Uh, I only read it to help me understand more fully what happened, you know, or to help me work out my ideas of the movie after I've seen it, sometimes two or three times if I really like it. So, And then I'll read it. If I don't like it, I don't bother reading it. So for some people, it's like, what can I watch? What can I listen to? For me, I know what I want to watch and what I want to listen to. Uh, And I I think it's important. Uh, Music is a very complicated experience. As as a musician or a writer and living with it your whole life, you know all the ins and outs and the incredible uh, complexity of it. Art is an expression that might be internal to lots of people who don't seem to be artistic. Uh, one example of like unbridled creativity in someone who may be an otherwise uncreative person, like a banker or somebody who you might think lives a normal life. I mean, their dreams are really bizarre. You know, their dreams are weird and they wake up and it's in their head. Um, people grow into these like channels of emotions or or not showing emotions. And I think that music in particular is something that helps you as an expression of the artist's emotion in a way that helps teach the language of that emotion to another person. Um, And I don't know if you would get that if you didn't read criticism or something or somebody who was an expert at music. Uh, I don't know if you would normally experience music in that way if you chose to uh, just on your own as a person who's not studied music their whole life. So, um, 
I think it's I think it's important and I'm glad it's there, but I personally have no use for it almost. Uh I mean I've read stuff about some pieces that I like and tried to think more about them in that way, but for the most part, uh yeah, I'm glad it's there. Uh you know, to help people. We have to. I mean, and besides, as much as people want to make art, they want to react to it. So uh, there has to be writers about art, you know, it's, it's the same, it's another art, uh, criticism. It's an art of an art. So could you please describe an instance when viewing, hearing, or creating a work of art has caused an intense reaction? The first one that comes to mind, uh, was, uh, my trip to Egypt. We drove quite a bit to get somewhere, uh, on the second day and, when we got to this one particular field, uh, there were people working in it and, uh, there was a, uh, a figure in the middle of the field standing, um, probably, uh, 40 feet tall or something like that. I took a picture of it. I remember it very specifically, but, uh, it was something so familiar and yet now you're there and it's real. Um, and it was so profound to me that I sort of stopped and had this really uh, loud sound in my brain, uh, like a like a trumpet that went off. Uh, sort of, I don't know. It, it, it had shocked me into a a, a kind of uh, uh, I was kind of stupefied for a second, and uh, was like, "All right, uh, this is a real thing." and you know, that, that, that was one of the strangest and strongest reactions I had to a piece of art. I mean, and that's a, a statue. That's a, you know, I mean, it was a combination of everything. I mean, being there, of course, the context is, is you know, incredible excitement and expectation of what was going to happen. Uh, and then finally seeing it, all that stuff came together. And that was a really, uh, that was quite an experience. That first thing I saw was really uh, a shock to my system. I think it it, it, it it like arrests your brain of all expectations and responses for a second. I think it takes you out of yourself for a second. Um, I think, you know, I, I think part of the overwhelming thing about it is you don't know what to feel. Uh, it wasn't like happiness. I mean, I think it was just a, almost a smack smack in the face kind of thing. I think I was stunned. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how else. I mean, after that, uh, I guess I gathered my thoughts, but it was such a random piece too. It was on the side of the road. Uh, uh, it was just in a field. There was no, uh, you know, I mean, this is common in Egypt, but there's no like parking lot. There's no, uh, park guys around there's no bathrooms nothing and any of those i mean some of these places are just out in the middle of nowhere do you have any uh, what about your connection with music because as a musician i would oh. expect that you also have um intense reactions to music uh and and also to has anything like that happened while you've been creating or writing music uh well um Playing music well is a feeling that's very hard to describe. Uh, being in, in the zone, so to speak, is, I mean, uh, you know, I think that's something that a lot of, you know, athletes or musicians or anybody who's really good at something or practice something a lot gets into the, 
the place where you lose your, uh, you sort of lose your, you're not thinking about it anymore. You're just, you just are, you're making those music, that music, you're making those notes, you're doing it. And, uh, I think it, it, I used to liken it to like, uh, when I used to mountain bike when I was younger, if you go down a hill, you know, uh, it could be all rocks and you just sort of have this like floating feeling. You sort of just float over everything and you try to keep, you know, rigid, but, but accept all the bumps. And, uh, I think when you're flying down a hill or maybe hitting a home run, it's just, everything comes together in this like split second kind of timing. Um, and that's a, that's a very profound experience. One that led me to try to do it for the rest of my life. Um, it's also fun to excite people and, you know, but I think the mo some of the most profound things, <clears throat> And I mean things that were burnt into my brain for the rest of my life. Uh, I mean, there's definitely music. I mean, in terms of listening to music, I almost remember every CD I ever bought or record and listened. And the first time I heard it, um, in a way, because the experience, not for everything, but for some of those records was so profound. I've literally listened to them for the rest of my life. So, um, in a way, the... When I was young, the thing that drove me to, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that drove me to make music was I, I used to listen to, uh, I was already into music when I was very, very young, and I listened to a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff, but I, I was really into piano concertos of, uh, you know, Rachmaninoff, Tchaikovsky, uh, Prokofiev, and uh, really an incredibly grand art form. Like, one of the biggest... Most, uh, you know, other than maybe opera, where everything is, you know, not only virtuosic, but also poetry, art, like everything's combined in one thing. In, in, uh, in a, uh, in a, in a, uh, a conch piano concerto, the piano, I was already playing piano enough to know how difficult it was to play. And if you're, you know, the more you can, and even today, if I listen to it, I'm even more astounded you know, how difficult it is to, to get to a point to play this. But not only play it naturally, but there was this sense of, like, gestures, of, of, of turning, of, like, reminiscent, uh, reminiscence um, that used to make me sort of swoon, you know? I used to listen to it and kind of, you know, rock back and forth almost with my eyes closed and just, it was almost like the notes were... Uh, you know, the, the, the second movement is usually this like slow, uh, pretty part. And, uh, uh, you know, the first one's usually upbeat. Um, and so the second part was like always this very romantic, like, uh, flowery, robust, like sort of movement that, uh, used to make me swoon, almost hypnotize me. And I kind of thought anything was possible after that. That was sort of what demonstrated to me that there's a lot more to life than, uh, you know, uh, just going to the post office or watching TV. <laughs> so, yeah. What's your take on the way that tastes are developed personally and in generally, in, in general? Well, uh, your taste for music is, is 
a part of is uh, as in, as individual as your personality. But of course, people listen to music for different reasons. So, you know, there's an aspect to it that's, uh, you know, very much, uh, I'd say, like social or, uh, you know, your friends listen to it or it's on the hit radio and you listen to hit music. So that's what you listen to. Um, but the more if you're uh, or, or you're, uh, you know, I, I was never one for like... Uh, you know, say Led Zeppelin, like, as a, you know, great drummer and great bass and all that stuff, but I was never into the attitude of, of Robert Plant. I didn't care. Like, I, I, uh, I love the music, but, you know, so some people are more into it as a, watch it as, like, that's a character. David Bowie, obviously, was a great musician, but he was very much a, a character that you go to see. Um, but besides all that, um, if you really, really listen to music, um, I don't know, your tastes are definitely, uh, I don't know, I've always wondered that because uh, my friends and I uh, get together once a year and I usually DJ and I always have a bunch of new music for everybody that I listen to and they, uh, my one friend has really taken to it. And he's gotten into the styles of music, you know, if I bring funk or library music or something, he like next time he's listening to that all the time. He's an artist, so he can listen while he works. And um, so uh, he started picking out songs and then sending it to us and making playlists. I'm like, that's interesting that he's picking these songs because like they're they're not the best songs on the albums. I don't know what he's, you know, and I'm realizing like, oh, I have a very specific taste. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's part of a personality uh, that I think is just tied into your, you as a person, you know, and could, you know, just the same as your preference for a partner or preference for food. I mean, it, it's that complicated and that deep, I think. What roles have your familial or partner relationships played in uh, pursuing art, um, like growing up or, or past that? Uh, yeah, my parents were 100% uh, supportive of me my whole life. Uh, they were great to me, and they helped me all the way. Uh, my When I won the uh, the Pew Fellowship, I wouldn't have done it without my girlfriend. She's a, She was a painter at the time who applied to a lot of grants and a lot of different things, and I had never applied to anything uh, except college. And so... Uh, she really, uh, you know, cracked the whip and got, got me focused and was able to tell me what to write, sort of. Or not what to write, but the format. I had, you know, as a musician, you don't, I mean, it, it's not often your number one thing to describe yourself and <laughs> in, a, in a way that's uh, formulaic and, you know, so... You know, she was able to get me to do that, and absolutely 100%, I would not have had that opportunity if it were not for her. Um, so, I don't know. I'm not my best manager, like a lot of musicians you might know. So, uh, family and friends are essential uh, uh, to this whole thing. Um, so, you, you'd mentioned when we first got here that uh, you spent, um, you hadn't been writing for like the past year mm -hmm. or something. 
Um, so yeah, over, over time, how has your ability to make time for playing and, compo and composing music fluctuated? And what sort of parallel does it have with mood or life situation, that sort of stuff? Well, I said it wasn't me. I, I do play. I play through my life, through good times and bad. Uh, you know, I always play music. Uh, I sit down at the piano and improvise all the time. Uh, I don't have any particular things to play. Sometimes I do. I work on like, uh, you know, a ragtime or something that I'm trying to learn that's for fun. Or, uh, But uh, I, what I, what ends up happening is I improvise. And for the last couple of years, I just recorded on my phone or on the two track and uh don't set up the computer don't plug it direct in so basically none of it's usable or none of it's you know finished or re releasable but i do make music um the pandemic definitely uh makes you wonder what's going on with the future so it's it's hard to you know a lot of musicians or anyone to get motivated but you know especially music shut down as a you know, not as a, I mean, it's more important than ever as a medium uh, or as an art form, but live music, of course, has been almost eradicated. Uh, so the future is unclear, and sometimes you don't feel like you want to produce anything because you're, I, I enjoy playing so much, I don't, I end up not caring about making anything for anybody else. So, uh, so it's not that I wasn't playing music, it's just that I wasn't, I guess maybe taking it seriously or, or, uh, you know, putting any kind of polish on it for a person to listen to. And so you've been the south of France, but is it true? Your mother's gone. Can't find a franc, can't find a dime. Tell your mother and dad, let them sort it out. Has your work situation been since I last talked to you and over the course of your entire music career? Um, and then on top of that, how would you describe your economic trajectory and its relationship to your pursuit of art? Uh, most of the money I made was years ago now uh, for music. Uh, I worked in the music industry for, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something uh, as a sort of production assistant for rock shows. Um, I don't really count that as a music job per se, even though it, it uh, I mean, I guess collecting and seeing all those bands and concerts really taught me something. I don't know what, but taught me, a, you know, gave me a good amount of material to think about. And, uh, but then I was able to tour uh, at least for five years and make a good amount of money. Well, one thing about the touring life, a lot of people said I was really lucky I was really lucky, but I also did everything in my life to do that. I made everything, like gave up getting married, uh, like didn't buy a house, like, uh, you know, uh, pretty much everything was about traveling and playing music. Um, it started as traveling as a kid. We used to travel with my family and I'm like, I want to travel. What job gets you to travel? You know, uh, I mean, I didn't play music because of that, but that turned out to be a good way to travel. And, uh, you know, but up until then, you know, I didn't have health insurance till, 
you know, 10 years ago or something in my whole life. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. And, you know, but I would say, I remember having a conversation with a doctor. This was funny. I'm like, wow, you're, you know, that's amazing that you're a doctor. That's so cool. She's like, it's amazing you're a musician. I couldn't do that. I really couldn't uh, live with that kind of economic instability. And <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, I guess I couldn't live with like going to school for 10 years and then, you know, working for the rest of my life. It was funny. That wasn't what I was expecting her to say, but, <laughs> but she's right. <laughs> yeah, pick a different major if you can. Did you major in music? I did. I dropped out of many fine schools. Uh, yeah, I went to Cal Arts uh, for a year. I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston for a year. Uh, went to community college, went to Rutgers, went to, uh, uh, I guess that's it, Rutgers. And I did a lot of school, but I didn't actually make, you know, I probably had enough credits, I think, to be a sophomore or junior uh, if I kept it up. Um, but I just took a life of learning and playing music anyway. It was funny, the, uh, one of the assemblies, uh, or some of the things they said when I first got to Berkeley College of Music, one was, what are you doing here when you can learn everything you need to know by transcribing a Charlie Parker solo? You know, And uh, I think I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, and I... I, I uh, you know, did real well the first semester, but kind of lost it in the second. Um, and then I went out and joined the band, you know. So uh, the education was very important, only to be my introduction to so many amazing, talented people who were there, like me trying to, you know, make their, start their, you know, making their mark or making their expression. Uh, I think... Having that and uh, the classes that I took, I'll never forget, uh, you know, uh, in high, but the thing was too, in, from seventh grade on, I took music theory. Our, our school had, our high school, I took four years of music theory in high school. So I knew the basics very well. I kind of never went past that. So um, that was essential. I mean, that was absolutely essential to inform me the the classes now in general no one's ever ever asked anyone i've never heard what school they went to before they got in a band you know <laughs> or composed something even um unless i guess it's a severely academic situation but um so you know i don't think you necessarily have to go to school but it was important for me sure on a broader level, how do you feel about the placement of arts and education historically and currently? Uh, well, let me say this. Uh, in Europe, obviously, uh, it's part of the, it's very much part of the culture. And I wish America was like that, but it's not. It tries to be. You have a, a poet laureate and you have, everybody gets excited about that. But, you know, we don't, we don't support the arts here. We don't support science either. We support football and you know, uh, iPhones, I guess, uh, corporate needs. Uh, we don't support the arts. I know, I know, uh, I mean, there might be more practical things in life to learn during school and music is the sort of thing you can take up on your own. So I don't know, you know, I don't have any kids. I don't, I don't know anymore. Uh, 
but I know the overall, the prevailing attitude is not good for the arts in general here. <laughs> Locally, but not, not as a country. I also feel the same sort of way, though, of, 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 on the one hand, I lament the fact that it's, like, getting phased out of schools or, or like, the budgets are getting cut. But on the other hand, I do feel like um, there's more value to learning music on your own through music. Definitely. Than there is through classroom. Right, know? right. So I'm, I'm also torn about that. I don't know if I, like, have a, <laughs> a definite stance one way or the other, like... You know, we need more art in schools or not. Well, you know, uh, at the school, my friend and I used to stay after to use uh, the four track and the Korg DSS-1 sampler. And uh, we used to, the first thing we did was a cover of Where the Streets Have No Name. Um, but at, at that time, and for college, it continued to be a matter of access to equipment, you know, uh, because back then, as you know, there was no, the Porta studio was barely a thing. Uh, you know, four tracks as a home user were, you know, just coming into their thing when I was growing up. So, uh, you know, the, the home musician, the ability to be, to make your own music and produce it at home uh, is insane right now. Also, the access to music is insane right now. So I don't. You're, I I agree. I mean, as a if music is an oral language, then uh, you know uh, it's going to be passed on just like any other thing, uh, any other language that would you know actually better, much much better than the the languages are all fading, but music lives on, <laughs> thankfully. Tell the We already talked about funding for the arts. Do you have anything else to say about how you feel about America's funding of the arts? Well, uh, let's go to live music and the band situation, you know, uh, which is kind of a different endeavor than being a producer at home, you know, because there's a lot more to it. You know, on either side, they're different. You know, you have to do a lot more things. But, I mean, my favorite shows tended to be the big shows that were free for everybody and had a bunch of posters up of a local brewery. So it was like a corporate public, uh, you know, sort of a thing. And, and so that, that gave the position for us to play a real show uh, on a real stage, but also have everybody come for free. I mean, that, that, that's kind of ideal. Someone else pay for it, someone richer pay for it. Um, but also, uh, you know, the, the corporate, sponsorship is you know luckily it's not like basketball or football where they'll play commercials in between the concert you know in a concert but there's a lot of advertising and corporatism in it that uh, people want to avoid because music is almost anti you know if you think of mass production in 
a Ford factory from the beginning. Uh, you know, there's mass production of music, but the article is genuinely unique. So uh, it's it's hard to to rectify or to get those to. I don't know how they work together in a good a way that I can feel better. You know, I think if like we did get asked to do things for certain companies and didn't do it, but for the most part, uh, you know, you have like skate companies giving you shoes and stuff like that. I mean, it it's cheesy, but the end product, like I said, is if you can put on music for people and get them to dance or sing or whatever, uh, that's the main focus, I guess. Uh, also, you getting paid. Yeah. So getting it to your fans for cheap or free and getting paid for it is ideal. I don't know how that would happen without somebody having money somewhere. What, what roles do you feel uh, race and gender have played in your pursuit? Well, gender and music's an odd thing uh, because for one thing, you go to music school, especially at Berkeley, it was all men. There were, uh, you know, maybe 10 women, I think, at the school at the time. Uh, you know, I mean, that's more of a rock or jazz school uh, kind of thing, if you're a musician. But it hasn't been such a concern to me, except that I'm always troubled that it's always men that uh, are often... I mean, the majority of the music that I grew up listening to was of men. Also, the books I read, I mean, it was just a man-centric world. And that's that, that was frustrating to me, being uh, sick of masculine bullcrap being pushed on me. Uh, you know, because I knew I was going to be an artist and not a, you know, tough guy. So, uh, we've kind of gone over this, like on tangentially throughout the interview, but on a broader level, how do you feel about the placement of art in society historically and currently? And where would you like to see it go? Well, it's weird because art is absolutely revered, monetized and loved and, uh, disguised as like a commercial venture. Uh, in our corporate money world. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's all about making money. I wish it wasn't so much like that. Uh, there's, there, I mean, there's arts programs, local arts programs, concerts in the park, uh, you know, museums and things. Uh, the Met in New York is still free, I think, or maybe it's something they're charging now. But, I mean, there's stuff out there that, benefits people and in theory that's what you would want to do uh the uh one part of that that's interesting is the uh, classical music where that fits in because they're constantly like oh no we're we're losing money like nobody's coming anymore all the people who listen to classical music are dying now and younger people aren't interested we try to get these like young hip people in you know, we charge less for the concerts. You can come show up the day of and get like a cheap seat or watch rehearsals and stuff like that. Um, I don't know where that aspect of music is going to go. I mean, I, I don't know how to save it other than uh, if people don't want to hear it, I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I mean, I love Bach dearly and I'll keep listening to him, but I don't know. I, I I mean, especially now with the pandemic, people have even forgotten that there's concerts like that. I mean, there'd be like Bachfest or something I could go to once a year or something. Uh, but now I just listen to it. So I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know how that's going to affect it. Things, I feel like in life, everything's getting simultaneously better and worse at the same time. There's no, uh, it's indistinguishable the whole time. Everyone's like, it's getting, everything's going downhill. I'm like, it's been doing that the whole time. Didn't you notice? Like, it's just what you're focused on anyway. So, you know, uh, as that goes, you know, it might be replaced with all the millions of records that we can listen to now in our pockets, you know, which is maybe a, a net benefit for society at large. The only Thank you for listening to the Talking Writing Podcast. Please visit TalkingWriting.com to read our current issue and for much more about the creative life. And drop us a line at editor at TalkingWriting.com. Talking Writing.